Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Drivers Meeting Podcast, hosted by RJ Starcevic and driver and team owner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Tommy Joe Martins. Welcome to the Drivers Meeting Podcast. We're back for another episode after a wild two weeks at Daytona, and we might as well get right to it. We have a very special guest today, Fox's own Chris Myers. Thank you for coming along with us today. Uh, RJ, TJ, good to be on with you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, we'll get right to it. I mean, you've done a lot of stuff for NASCAR in the past, um, you know, with the pre-race show and everything like that for Fox. And now this year, I mean... Uh, you're going to every race. You've, you've done it so far uh, with the Daytona 500 and the road course and now Homestead this weekend. I mean, how's it been uh, being back kind of with NASCAR on a weekly basis? You know, it's, it's been fun. Uh, obviously still restricted uh, with the pandemic, uh, with uh, some of the things you can do in the pits and, and as a broadcaster and certainly with fans. Uh, and at, well, it's been 20 years with NASCAR and uh, Fox and Fox NASCAR when we've expanded with you know, Race Hub and FS1. So there are a lot more people in, involved now. But I enjoyed it from the beginning, uh, along with NFL, baseball, other things that I, that I do with Fox hosting. We used to have the Hollywood Hotel, but obviously with the Charlotte studio. But I'm glad that they have me on site again, at least for the pre-race portion, because of the new combination of Jeff Gordon and Clint Boyer. Uh, in the booth, as well as on the on the pre-race, along with all the other elements of the pit reporters. But they really are uh, very entertaining to be with. And having done, you know, baseball pre-shows or shows, and studio shows and football, and uh, it's great being on location with a couple of guys who have uh, obviously driving in common, but their personalities a little bit different. And I think they bring a fresh approach. And the Fox mantra has always been on a broadcast, yeah, cover the, you know, cover the race, the event, but in the pre-show, you know, it really is about having fun, letting people know what's going on, what they expect in the race, what to look forward to, and let's enjoy the personalities that are in and around the race. And, and talk a little bit about, Chris, the, the different muscles that you're having to use here, because you're a guy that does play-by-play for Fox NFL, but you're more of a host on the NASCAR side of things where you're kind of more, more dishing it around kind of guy. Yeah. Every one of those is essentially tight. There's nothing like being there. And obviously the pandemic has affected a lot of that, but you really feel the energy you're around the, the, the drivers, how you're at the track, you're, you're where it all happens. And that's where if you can be there, you want to be there. That's what I like about it. And yes, you're right. My role you know, a little bit uh, different than, than obviously play by play, the events going on. That's where you focus. I, I liken it a little bit to, and I, and I filled in this what past year on the NFL on Fox uh, pre-game show at Fox NFL Sunday, uh, you know, where you had Bradshaw or Howie Long or Jimmy Johnson, those guys, you, you've got to learn 
Obviously, they're there because of their accomplishment and their personality. But as the host, you got to learn when to go to the right guy and when when to tease or prompt somebody and, and when to bring out some personality. Sometimes you, we get a little too. Uh, certainly on Fox, we guard against two nuts and bolts, too specific. You save that for the actual broadcast unless there's a breaking story or some current development. Like we had at the Daytona 500 where the 23 car couldn't didn't pass inspection the first couple of times. So you, you get to that story and you cover it. We have Bob, Bob Pockress, who's terrific on on all of that information, Larry McReynolds, it really is a, it's a team effort. But yeah, I, I like that role. And, and uniquely at Fox, that's one of the great things that, you know, a lot of people have, have versatility in different sports, but uh, to do different things that, you know, NFL, I've been a, a reporter in the playoffs and World Series, uh, you know, I've, I've been calling games in baseball. I've, I've called games and also been, if you go back a couple of years, uh, where Ken Rosenthal was doing dugout reporting and, and post-game interviews. And of course, NASCAR on the pre-race uh, host side of things, the, the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show, which has been moved to June this year. Uh, I've done play-by-play on that, which is a live, interesting event, a competition. So uh, so they all bring about different, it's a good point, they, at different times you have to do different things to make the broadcast work. But it does make it easier when we have such terrific talent with great knowledge, whether it's a, a former dog trainer or a former driver or a crew chief or a former player or coach uh, that you're working with. Not only, again, the Fox thing is not only have the information and, and cover the event, but to have some fun and have a personality, I, I think that's really what, what sets our, our network apart. And I love being a part of that in that role to bring that out of you. And, and yeah. also, I wanted to follow up here. When it comes to hosting this, you guys are on a pretty strict time limit. Yes. So like during the play-by-play of a race, yeah, you know when the breaks are coming and you understand that. But really, you're describing the action on the field. When you're hosting a pre-race show, that is like we have eight minutes here. <laughs> and right. we are going to break in eight minutes and you've got to toss to this at this exact time. And you're also managing a couple of guys that at the same time might not be on the same time schedule as you would. <laughs> you've worked with Michael Waltrip, you've worked with Daryl Waltrip, yes. you've worked with guys. Right. It comes across to the viewer is like very free form. How much of this is structured, Chris, and how much of it is just like, all right, you got two minutes, have some fun. And then I'm just going to start yelling in your ear when you need to start bringing them back. Yeah, well, right. The producer is constantly reminding of not only getting you a break for a commercial, but we're going up against the, whether the command or the opening ceremonies or that type of thing. We're a live interview we, we have to get to or a concert if it's the Daytona 500. And and you mentioned, you know, Daryl and Michael Waltrip going back to Jeff Hammond when, when he was on the pre-race show as a, as a crew chief. And now with Clint and Jeff, these guys are so good and so naturally into what they're doing. They could talk for hours but they they learn that okay, and uh, we we have to fit it into this time frame and and make it make my best point first. So if we have time, I could expound, but I got to get that information out and also do it in a in a fun way. So usually when we rehearse, at least our format, it's not a you know and like last week we rehearse certain things and then we have extra time, so we just show shots of drivers and cars and we react to it. You know sometimes that's the best stuff, but when you have certain stories you want to cover, whether it's a Kyle Larson return to the sport or Michael Jordan's ownership, you know there there's some specific things we want to show and get to in a, in a uh, in a tight frame. I, I can already see in Clint Boyer's terrific, but he's a guy who will, you know, he, he just says things out of left field that keeps going. And I, I try to signal him and reel him back in to like, Hey, you know, there, there's Jeff's on this show and we got to get to a break. And, uh, and you know, the, those kinds of, but that's okay. Because I think people at home can, can relate to that. We all have deadlines and timeframes. As long as we get the best out in, in the time we have. So in a way it's, there's a, a loose structure, a framework of what we want to cover. And if we get extra time, 
I'm great. We'll always have things to go to, but it's not so scripted, especially now this version, this year's version of the pre-race show. We're, we're standing out there. Uh, there's no Hollywood hotel. Uh, there's no teleprompter. I, uh, you know, there, there's no desk to sit at. So they're pretty much each segment. Right, we're going to talk Hamlin here. You're going to talk about, you know, the banking on this track, whatever, and I'll guide you on time. And so it's the fun part for me. It's like doing air traffic control at, uh, you know, Chicago <laughs> O'Hare or something, because I, I've got to be listening to the producer on running the show, but I also got to make it look like Jeff and Clint have time to talk and are having a good time so that the viewer is comfortable and getting the information that they want uh, in, in that amount of time. But that's, uh, that's what television, at least that's one of the fun parts of, of television. Yeah, that's something we've talked about a lot on the podcast is like pre-race shows and stuff like that, kind of the broadcasting aspect of it. Um, we had uh, Alan Bestwick on here before. We had Jamie Little on here before. And we kind of talked a lot about the broadcasting portion. And one thing that we've talked about is like pre and post-race shows, which is which is what you do for NASCAR. So how important do you think is, you know, like a pre-race show like that to kind of start the broadcast, to kind of get it going? Um, instead of just, you know, something right before coming off the air and bam, you jump right into a race. Like how important is that? Is it pre-race really to the viewers? Do you think? I, I think it's, I think it's important. Look, I was always brought into broadcasting. It, once you get to the game, you know, the, the game is the thing. There's room there for personality, but, but it was, was pointed out earlier. It really is about what's happening. Let's just take NASCAR, for example, what's happening on the track at that moment. I mean, you can't be rambling about some feature story or other interesting topic when there's a, a you know, a crash in, in the turn two or a car, you know, uh, runs out of fuel, whatever. So you got to follow that. Now, when there are slow points, that's when you get it, but that's why you have, I think a pre-race, usually post-race is, hey, let's hear from the drivers and let's move on. Here's the results. Why did this happen? Hey, did this guy wreck you? you were, were you blocking that guy? And that's where the, the, the pit reporters uh, do such a great job or the field reporters uh, when you're on football or, or baseball because uh, you, you pay attention, you react to the key moments. Uh, and I got to say, the NASCAR drivers are really good about responding to, to a lot of that through thick and thin. But the, the pre-race, I, I think what's important about it too, especially the sport like NASCAR, obviously you have your core audience, your car guys, your, your racing guys, and, and, and they're going to be there. They, they kind of know what's going on. But I, I think you want to bring other people in and also you want to update them on, okay, you know, this car, here's why they didn't pass inspection. Here, there's a problem this week between Logano and Kozlowski. They, they really didn't talk. And, and one guy's got a contract coming up. The other guy's been on a roll with, you know, his, his championship. And, and, and then get our drivers to speak as candidly as they can about what they think, what they know, and, and also have a little bit of fun with it in that, you know, Kyle Busch, one win last year. I mean, it's a shock. He's one of the best drivers in the sport. There's a change with the crew chief. What, you know, what's going on there? Who wanted that? Why is that a good thing? Is it too early to start saying, hey, is he, is he going to bounce back? And so I think a pre-race show gets, it, it should help get you more interested in the race, even if you were going to tune in anyway and give you a little more to look for or think about uh, through the course of the race. We don't always hit it. Uh, right. But but you want we want to at least do the best we can to prepare people. And again, I say in a fun way, because, you know, it, it, it is in most cases, it, you know, it is entertainment, even though it is a sporting competition. Have you guys gotten any pushback on that, Chris? You know, we, we talk about kind of setting up the storylines and, hey, you know, this guy had a bad race or he crashed or this guy's mad at this guy and all that. I think as drivers, you understand that you're going to get asked the questions. But have you ever had anybody kind of get snipping with you specifically <laughs> when you're yeah. kind of approaching these stories? Well, I, you know, I have to say that NASCAR has been, uh, compared to other sports, and, and I think, too, it's because it is tied in, you know, pit reporters, again, pre-pandemic, you spend a lot of time in and around them, and they, they see you each week. It's the same guys, same crew pretty much every week traveling through the Fox 
portion of, of the season, whereas with NFL baseball, you're switching with different teams. So you may be familiar, but not, not as familiar. I know most of them, and I, I've had some fun with them. I mean, Kevin Harvick has, has, has heckled me before about you know, not growing up a car guy, a stick and ball guy and needing my cards or notes. And, and that's been, and Tony Stewart has, has back when he was racing, I forget I pointed out somewhere where he was booed when he was introduced and he came into the Hollywood hotel all upset. And we obviously ironed it out. He was, he was really cool about it. I, at first I couldn't tell where they just play it with me where they're really upset, but, but uh, they, I have to say that whether it's a driver, crew chief, uh, they, they, if we need something covered for the most part, even if it's a tough question, uh, they're going to at least let us ask the question and, and do our part and, and they're going to run and hide from us. And yet if they don't want to answer, they'll say, you know what? I don't want to comment on that right now. Or uh, we, can we address that later until I talk to the driver until I see the video or until I, uh, and, and I, I think that's, uh, that's been a very good thing for uh, us as broadcast partners of, of NASCAR. And that's really what we are too. We're in the, we're in the business together and TV does well, the ratings, the ad revenue, it does well for sponsors and, and the drivers and car owners, et cetera. So most of it's been playful. But I mean, there's been a few moments where guys, hey, I know, I, you know, I'm blowing it off right now, and they'll come back and talk later because they were, they were heated with another driver or something happened on their team, and they get called to the trailer. But eventually, uh, even on a pre-race show the next week, they'll usually come around and at least talk to us. And once they've calmed down and uh, and give us their side of the story. Yeah, you talk about how. Um, the pre-race show is, is a time to kind of go over the storylines and set people up for the race, but it's also the, a time to, to have fun. And there, there was a segment this week of, of Gordon Boyer driving around um, the Daytona road course. Now, I, I do yeah. want to know, were they the motivating factors uh, to, to get that segment on, on the show? Yes, I can reveal you've got the big scoop on this show. They they kind of came up with that. and they, they, This is what's cool about we have a conference call every Tuesday morning with the producer, the graphics people, all our, our pit reporters drive free polio. Uh, and we kick around what we're going to do. And those guys, what you know, the days of thunder it ran during the rain, uh, Phil, um, I, I should say during, uh, when we had the Daytona 500 Remember, and then there was the delay. So the making of the, of the days of thunder that it, it were that kind of ran through there and everybody, most people seen the movie in one form or another. So they, they just came up with a fun way to do something. And that's, and then it's how do we fit it as, as was asked earlier. How do we fit it in so that it looks as natural as you can into, into the show? Now, sometimes our producers will come up with with some ideas and they'll say, hey, how about this? You know, Jeff, you're doing this or Mike, Mike, Joy, you and Chris will say this and they do that. And um, it, the, the ideas come from anywhere. And, and that's a that's a good thing, because we will if it, we think it's a good idea and it's workable. And we try that each week to especially the pre-race show to find a way to have fun the track we're going to either what's happened before there or the city or the environment when Miami's coming up, what will we do with that? But then after that, you go to Vegas, there's always something interesting with, uh, with Las Vegas, uh, you know, you can have, have fun. Uh, so yeah, those are, those are things we give some thought to and some kind of unfold as we get there, uh, through the course of, of the weekend, but it's good to have, uh, you know, on air broadcasters, guys like Jeff and Clint that, that are so willing, to kind of put themselves out there. And sometimes we'll do things that it doesn't seem like it works so well. So we'll edit it down and we'll refine it, make it different. Comedy's hard. And we're, we're, not, <laughs> we're not really, we're not really in the comedy business, but we're, we're in the entertainment business. It's more so in the pre-race because we don't have any live uh, racing going on at that moment. It's, it's, we want to sell personality. We want to sell good driving and competition and, and what the event will look like that day. And Chris, having you guys, by, by, by the way, having you guys back is awesome. I, I think I speak for all the fans here that that was, oh, yeah. it, that felt like there was something kind of missing 
there with the pre-ratio and all that and having this back now is exciting. I want to know the behind the scenes of this a little bit. How early did you know this was going to be a thing where they said, all right, Chris, you're back 2021. We're, we're, we're going all in on this again. We're having you back. Well, yeah, and the only reason we kind of broke away initially the Hollywood Hotel, which was we were, you know, on site and it kind of earned that nickname and people liked it. And through the years, uh, there was you know, a little bit of budget restriction, but the development of, of our Charlotte studios and, and they do such a great job during the week, Adam Alexander, Shannon, uh, with Race Hub, you know, so that NASCAR fans have a place to go for information during the week. And then we so we expanded as that grew. It's like, well, we can we can do shows from there for, for the Friday, the trucks, the Saturday. Xfinity and, and even Sunday. And then, of course, the pandemic affected how many people could even get to a race if we were going to have races. And that affected our crew and they work hard behind the scenes. So uh, I knew this year, probably maybe it was uh, December when I got the word, they said, hey, we're thinking about, you know, having you back on the pre-race. And I was like, great, how are we doing? I, you know, I didn't know if there was a new version out, out at the track. And they're like, no, we just, we want to get, you know, again, we're restricted by some things, but with Clint Boyer, and, and Jeff Gordon, we want to get you out there with them and, and have fun on the pre-race show. Gives it you know, a big-time feel. Not Because I'd, I'd always done the Daytona 500, and obviously that's an expanded pre-race show. And we have our we still have our, our race day, Charlotte group, doing the early morning hour or so, and then it goes over to over to Fox. And I, I kind of look at it this way. This is my own view that, you know, Jeff Gordon is kind of like comparing it to football. Like he's kind of like our Troy Aikman in terms of you know, Super Bowls and, and the quality of guy he is. Jeff's got the Champions Hall of Fame for both, and, and he's our, our, our announcer who's you know yes he has a sense of humor and he's a good sport but that's you know, that's your big and then you have the other guy you know uh the personality like a terry bradshaw is like a clint boyer you know I, we never know what clint's gonna say he has to work hard and not even say a curse word on the air you know he's focusing <laughs> on that he said he said because in casual conversation even in a lighthearted way the way he talks like he's out on his tractor on his farm so or in his garage so that's kind of the fun you know dynamic of of the personalities at least that's the way i look at it having been around those guys on football and i think we're seeing in the booth with Mike Joy when they call the race. It's a, a real fun element having those two uh, uh, do that, uh, just be themselves and, and obviously focus on what's going on. So it sounds to me here as the casual observer that really Fox knew pretty early on, Chris, that they had the right element here with Gordon and Boyer that they said, okay, this, this is going to work. Th this is right. good. We need to expand on this <laughs> and, and use them in the pre-race and let's bring Chris back. Chris knows how to host the pre. It was basically like doubling down on something they already knew was going to work pretty well. Yeah, I, I think you're on to that. That's that's a stupid and I maybe even before I knew it, they they had their eyes on on this combo and 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 again making the broadcast bigger, better, again more part, more personality and how they fit it in and, and within the certain restrictions. I I I I, I would say that's kind of it. They had a plan. They had an idea. And, and I got to say, both guys, again, broadcasting, uh, especially for the ex-athlete, ex-driver, they, they have to work at it. They, they know their sport, but they have to work at the broadcast part to really be good. And that what I mean by that is, you know, not just your study habits, but as you pointed out earlier, fitting your, your comment in the right place at the right time and not stepping on the other guy that you're working with. And, you know, being humorous when you want to be and not being misrepresentative or making fun of anybody, but also being professional. But And then adding some insight, saying something that you or I wouldn't say, you know, you know to, to take the obvious and take us further. And so they, they, they're working at that. And Clint Boyer, it's funny, Jeff, Jeff Gordon, who is relatively new to broadcasting, but he's been giving, you know, these kinds of tips to Clint, uh, you know, and Clint's asking about him and wanting him but without, without being such a robot. You know, he has to be Clint Boyer. 
but then he has to apply those things. I, and I think Fox has hit on something. I, I think they've done it. They've hit on something with the Xfinity races. You know, Tony Stewart's going to do some or some truck races, but bringing in drivers, you know, active drivers and crew chiefs who have, who aren't working that day, uh, maybe that weekend, but putting them on the broadcast. It's, sometimes it's maybe not as broadcast savvy uh, sounding on the air because they just haven't gotten used to commercial breaks and the rhythm and somebody talking in their ear. But, but the information you're getting and the spontaneity, the real live TV, which is what I love about sports. And I think a lot of people do the unpredictability of it. I think it really adds to the, to the sport. And NASCAR this year with their schedule adjustment, and some of the other things they've done for, uh, for television and for the audience. Uh, and we've already seen it with the speed, super speedway and the road course. We're going to go to the mile and a half. I think three of the next four are on that and these next four races usually determine a quality of, you know, of the, of the quality has to rise early, you know, to the top. I think the last, the guys who've won, they're all uh, cup champions, except for Denny Hamlet who won it last year. And he's won at Miami, you know, more than anybody so far, but you've had guys like Logano win there and Jimmy Johnson. So th- this will be an interesting uh, race Sunday and then going forward with the, with the, with the next few. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be odd. I know for me specifically, cause me, I just, I went as a fan going to Homestead Miami for the championship race all the time. Um, and now it's the third race of the season. And is it going to be, odd? I mean, have you been there in the past uh, for the championship race before? Like often? No. Uh, yeah. I haven't been, I, yeah, I grew up, believe it or not in the Miami area, but I have not been there. I've been to the track. I haven't been there for a, the, the championship to close. And you're right. It's taken a little bit of an adjustment. Uh, even the schedule, and I, I get, again, this is wise thinking. The, the reason Daytona was the second, even though we've had some rain, the second race of the season, it's for, it's for rain. Whether you were going to Atlanta before or wherever, often cold weather or there were some issues, at least in, in this area, you got three in the Sunshine State before you go west, and your weather's going to be, you think, pretty good in Vegas and, and, and California. So, But, yeah, and I, I like that they moved the all-star race around. I think it's in Texas this year at, at, at uh, the uh, Texas Motor Speedway. I, I, I think these, you know, in, in the way they've shuffled the, the races that are in the chase, uh, adding the road courses, it, it, to me, a lot more challenge. I mean, the mile and a half are great. There's a lot of races. There's nine races there. There's seven road courses. We have the dirt in Bristol. So, to me, this is fun as a fan or as somebody who covers the sport. I think I know drivers and what they're going to do. And I think it's already shown in the first two that we've had two guys that you know won their first career cup race. Uh, you know, and yeah, super speedway that can happen. A road course with Bell, and then uh, you know we'll see if the if the cream rises to the top uh, early on the on the next four. But um, yeah, and I think this will be a little bit of a different Miami Homestead race because it isn't the one at the, at the championship. It isn't at the end of the year. I think it'll be drivers. Not that they're going to not try to win, but it's going to be viewed a little bit differently, and maybe I think run a little bit differently. And, and Chris, before we let you go, I know we're kind of running out of time here. I do want to ask you, as somebody that's been a part of the sport now for 20 years, long time, we talked to Alan Bestwick about this. Going into this year, so many changes, like you just referenced with the schedule, the different driver turnover, the way we're doing the schedule, obviously the pandemic and changing some of the stuff there with no practice and we're showing up in racing and you, you don't know, you don't have practice times to look at is who's going to be the favorite here today. Is this the most different you've ever seen NASCAR, like year to year? Is this like the most changes that we've probably ever seen in, in a in a 12-month calendar year? 
Yes, I, at least in the in the twenty years, at least that I've watched, I, I and I think you hit a good point about practice too. We kind of gloss over that, you know, but it, it it has made a little bit of a difference for some drivers or crews more than others. And you know, I think of maybe another big difference when when we changed the the format for the championship, whether it was a chase, right, or a playoff, that was a big change. The stage racing again, and I think these were changes that once fine-tuned are good and, and for the right reason. And we adjust, even though it's not like the old days, but the old days things had to be changed a little bit and, and not having, I don't know if there's 38 cars in the field this year, whatever, how many cars, we're not used to the, the 43 standard, but, but I would say those all happen at different times, but for the kind of things we just talked about to happen, happen in one off season, uh, it, it is a lot to take in, but I, but I think at least the early reviews, and we'll see how it plays out. It, it's it's working. I mean, people seem to people seem to like it. I mean, and, and drivers, fans, and I got I got to give NASCAR credit for being whether it was the iRacing, racing, and it's not just Fox, but getting back on the track during the worst of of the pandemic. Of course, it could lend itself with a driver in a car, but still, crew chiefs. They there had to be all the protocols and the safety guidelines uh, for wherever the races were, but they they did it. I mean, they showed everybody in any other board and they all watched it, it can be done we have to go forward to, we have to find ways to do it in the right way and and they've kept that going forward and there's still you know we're going to go to whether it's you know vegas is loosening up florida as far as letting some fans in and how they do it if we stay on top of that i think we'll continue but yeah this is this is why you know fox got on the campaign of maybe the greatest season ever certainly the, the wildest the most unpredictable season ever and at the end we'll see how how great it all is but with all those changes and i think people embracing it understand the circumstances in the world and what we're all going through. Uh, I'm very excited about it and really honored. I'm, I'm really honored to be back on, not just for the Daytona 500, but for the full season of, of Fox and FS1. Well, I know we're speaking for all the fans, Chris. It's good to have you back, and uh, thanks for spending a little time with us. No, I appreciate you guys asking me anytime. Enjoy the rest of the season. It uh, should, uh, should be a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. All right. Take care. All right. You too. And welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast. We appreciate Chris Myers coming on here. Um, awesome stuff from him. Um, but this will give us a little time to talk about a new sponsor here coming on board for the Belief Podcast Network and the Drivers Meeting. Um, eBay. eBay is on board as the original sneaker marketplace. eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 and over, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selections. So awesome to have eBay on board. Awesome to have a sponsor on board here on the Believe Podcasting Network uh, and the drivers meeting. So that'll get us right to broadcasting. We talk about marketing sponsors, um, everything that Fox has kind of done to start this season. I know Chris Myers noted on it a little bit, but to me, I've kind of, I've enjoyed the start of the season from a broadcasting perspective. I really appreciate what Fox has done. And this is something we talked about leading up to the season. What are they going to do? What are these networks going to do? We need, you know, do we need a pre-race show, a post-race show? Do we need to do more with it? Um, and Fox has come out with their, you know, new pre-race show. Chris Myers is back at the track. He's got Jeff Gordon, Clint Boyer next to him, you know, doing what they can with the current restrictions and everything. Um, and then they obviously have the studio show, which does the post-race and the early morning pre-race show. 
Um, and then they also got kind of a new graphics, which I like. Uh, you know, if, if you notice in the left, the ticker, they, they actually have decals now instead of just, you know, some basic yellow font, which I, I really appreciate it. I feel like it just adds another uh, dynamic, you know, more color to the broadcast. And I feel like that's always important. It's a bigger appeal. So I know they have the new whole new graphics passage package next season. Oh, that another thing. They got the cartoon characters um, on the <laughs> broadcast now. Unless some people have been a little skeptical about them. That's been a thing that actually Fox has been doing for football um, a lot. And now they're kind of starting to lean into the new broadcasting uh, graphics for Fox. So they got the cartoon graphics. We got a, a little bit of a, some decals on the ticker. We got a pre-race show. I mean, are, are you are you digging what what Fox has kind of been kicking off with the start of this season? I'm digging it, and and I'm trying to understand. And this is why I was asking Chris about when did he know? When did they make this call? Because it seems like Fox, more so than NBC, is kind of investing in NASCAR coverage more than anyone else, right? So the development. You talked about of the, the digital studio here in Charlotte, and they use that for Race Hub. They use that for the pre-race stuff. Um, they bring a lot of talent in and out of there. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Really, what I'm looking at this is the economical aspect of this, right? So think about it, RJ. Bringing, you know, we talked to Alan Bestwick about how much money it costs to actually produce this content. And in a way, the networks don't love the idea of setting up all this stuff and then only getting one day's worth of use out of it. They don't really like that. They liked it better when they got practice and qualifying and all that. They like that because it's more content, right? They're, they're using the cameras and all the equipment's already set up. And Chris said something interesting about bringing the Hollywood hotel and setting all that up. And that that was a cost they didn't really want to go with again, but they thought about, okay, wait a second. If Clint and Jeff are already going to be there, what if we use them in the pre-race and then all we got to do is bring in Chris and we can kind of like halfway set up the studio. Basically, let's think of a more economical way of doing this and still be able to kind of set that time aside at the beginning uh, of the broadcast. So clearly Fox is thinking about how do we utilize their talent a little bit better how do we expand on our coverage pre-post race? How, how can we stretch the time a little bit and best use the talent that we're already paying to, to be there? And let's bring in somebody that we trust to essentially kind of be the guide for a couple of guys that are still pretty new to this. I mean, Jeff's been doing this now for, for two years, three years now, three years. Yeah. It's really the first full year that, that uh, Clint's doing it. And he said he's still learning. Well, he, they're putting him in veteran hands with, with Chris Myers kind of leading the ship uh, there at the beginning of the race. Yeah, I think it's a very efficient way to do it because, you know, you don't want to bring too many people down. But like you said, if Jeff and Clint are already going to be there, why not? Just throw them with Chris Myers as long as you have that host guy, you know, and, and people like to listen to um, Clint Boyer and Jeff Gordon. So that's that's kind of also been a marketing thing for the year is having Boyer and Gordon together. So that might interest people in the pre-race show as well. Um, but I think it's a very efficient way to get it done, bringing in Chris Myers, but also still kind of saving saving costs and everything like that. And really, even with the current restrictions, they just go stand on, on pit road, you know, at least for the road course they did uh, for the 500s, the big pre-race show. They had the whole setup going and everything. Uh, we'll see kind of what they do the rest of the season. Um, 
because really, well, Daytona Road Course, they didn't have practice. Uh, Homestead is really going to be the slimmest weekend uh, as far as one Xfinity race and then one cup race and you're out of there. Um, that's what it's going to be like for the next few weeks until um, we head to, I believe, what is the first race of practice qualifying? Is it? Well, for everybody, it's for Coda. Coda. Yeah. Coda. For everybody, it's for Coda. Um, but then you have Bristol Dirt. That'll be, you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. But Coda really is the first place where all three uh, series will have practice and qualifying. So that will be um, fun to watch. But this weekend, I mean, well, the last two weeks, we can kind of overview the last two weeks at Daytona. I mean, hectic. I feel like um, the first thing I can think of of the last um, six races that we've seen across the National Series is a lot of wrecked cars, a lot of damaged cars. The road course, a lot of them, a lot more of them finished the race. They were beat up, but a lot more of them did finish the race. Now, because at the ovals, there were a lot of wrecked cars that did not finish the race. And now at the road course, there were a lot of beat up cars, but they did finish the race. And we have a lot of first time winners. I mean, we go, well, Ben Rhodes um, wins again in the truck series. He's gone two in a row now. Um, Ty Gibbs comes out and makes an absolute statement and wins the Daytona road course. And Christopher Bell, who also was pretty solid that day. Obviously, we know Chase Elliott was the guy to beat and then got caught up in strategy, cautions, uh, trouble back in the field because those restarts were crazy. I mean, I know you were a part of them in the Xfinity series. I, I watched you on, on TV. Um, God, what was the wreck where I think Josh Williams went flying? Uh, Stephen Light was around. And I, I saw you right in the middle of it. You probably had a good view for that. I mean, how crazy were those restarts uh, going into turn one and two? Yeah, on these road courses, when we get down to a green-white checker, everybody kind of knows what the deal is. Um, <laughs> you're the, the last person you want to be is the leader in that spot because you know you're probably getting moved at the earliest opportunity and and really that's it it's a it's a weird thing where really we go to most tracks rj you're primarily worried about what's out the windshield really yeah. at those road courses you're worried about what's everywhere around you uh guys trying to break late from behind you and running into you and what's sliding in from the side and all that you know, it's a, it's a different thing in, in Daytona with such a it's a progressive turn, turn one, and it starts out very wide and then narrows down into a very tight corner, uh, and it's got a lot of bailout room, and so it's very inviting, and it basically is just begging for what we saw a lot of, which is a lot of wrecks in turn one, and that's followed by another really tight, hard breaking zone in turn two down near the other end. And you saw what happens. I mean, it's those wrecks are happening uh, on those restarts. And NASCAR has to get to a point, RJ, where they they can't call a caution for every single thing. They can't. Cars get spun out, and they kind of got to let it happen. Unless it's happening right there at the front of the field, they kind of just have to let it go. And, and that's what happened to us in our race. We got stuck behind a couple of spins where I basically had to stop to avoid them. And, well, you know, we're not getting a caution, and all of a sudden you wind up 24th, uh, whereas you get through that clean and you're in the top 15. Uh, and that's what happened to us last year at the Daytona Road Course. So it feels like almost, RJ, some of these guys are running these races, and we approached it this way too, almost like a restricted plate race where you know there's going to be a big wreck at the end. You hope that you're in front of it, or at least you can get through it. And if you get through it, you're probably going to have a good finish. And if you don't, you're probably going to have a bad one. 
Well, our next road course is, like you said, Coda, and that is a massive track. And when we talk about local yellows and not throw, at least not throwing a yellow for every single thing, maybe this is something that NASCAR needs to look into because at Coda, we're going there for the first time. Most people are, I mean, we do have practice qualifying and that is going to be tremendous. Uh, I think a great help to a lot of people, but still it will be the first race for most people on the Circuit of the Americas track. And it is a big track, uh, lots of lots of room for incidents. And hopefully by that time, we can, you know, NASCAR can start to kind of let things mellow out. We don't need yellows every, you know, for every spin, at least, um, because the truck race, I mean, that was just the truck race was crazy. I mean, the, the truck race is crazy. Xfinity race, you know, had, had some of so their wrecks at the end, but it was a little less crazier than trucks, but still crazy. And cup was about in the middle. I mean, there were a few uh, times where people were questioning yellows just because of uh, if it was truly raining or not at the track or uh, an incident on the track, but the truck race was nuts. And that's, that, that's what started off the week and got everybody thinking, Oh man, like we need to fix something. Something needs to change. Something needs to change about these cautions about, just the race in general. I mean, it was crazy. There were trucks wrecking everywhere. Um, but maybe that's something that NASCAR needs to look also into. Speaks, RJ, just, just to clarify here, and it's going to sound like I'm, I'm casting some shade here at the truck series, but I'm really not. You're just dealing with a lot more inexperienced drivers. Yep. Just are. The depth of the field in the Xfinity series, you got a lot more veteran drivers in that field in the Xfinity series and in the Cup series. Whereas the truck series, it is a bit of a free-for-all down there in the truck series when it comes to experience levels of a lot of these guys that are getting in some of these rides. And so you're just going to see more goofy stuff happening down there. Now, it is entertaining as all get out to watch it. I love watching it. It's awesome. And those trucks can take a beating and still finish a race. But you're right that it, it brought up some questions of, Okay, for the flow of a race, do we probably need to start looking at road courses having local yellows? And I think everybody would be cool with that. I think I haven't heard anybody that's a driver that would really necessarily complain about that idea, but it would allow the field to get a lot more spread out. And so that question is more of a really competition slash entertainment question, right? So a Formula One race, we all like watching Formula One. They get spread out a lot. That is the majority of the race. It is basically over after about lap four. Uh, the race is, we kind of know what, what's going on. Well, do you want that? Is, is that really what you want? Because that we can do that. We can basically just say, okay, you know, we go to road courses. We're not doing stages um, with yellows. We're just going to award points for the running at these laps. And we're going to kind of look at the laps roughly around the fuel window. And we're going to kind of just split the race into thirds. And we're going to do that. And we're going to throw local yellows. All right. If you want to do that, cool. We'll probably, it's going to be a boring race. I hate to break it to everybody. That's going to turn into a very boring race. Now, from a, a team standpoint, strategy standpoint, fun race. From a viewing standpoint, not as fun. You know what's fun? A restart to watch that on television when you know that everything's on the line. And so I think 
deep down, RJ, there's there's like a limit here to you go, yeah, we should, but also, you know, we we do want you guys to run into each other a little bit. That is a little more exciting when you're all on screen together. So it's like there has to be a balance. What you don't want is that every little thing turns into a full course yellow. And in the truck series, for example, I believe they had 28 laps that were caution laps on a scheduled 44 lap distance. That's not good. We don't want that. So that's what prompted this discussion. And I think there has to be, there has to be a discussion. I just, I don't know if I'm all the way in on it (laughs) from a entertainment standpoint, like from a, my wallet standpoint as an owner and a driver. Yes, let's do that. Because what, what got my car beat up the other night was late race restarts and being in the mix with 30 cars diving off into turn one. I get the bumper beat off of it, nose beat off of it, and both sides banged in. And I, you just kind of know that going into it. And if we were all spread out, that's one thing. But I also know that we were struggling. <laughs> and I was 31st and wound up getting to finish 24th because we got a late race caution. So there's going to be winners and losers in this stuff. I just want them to call it fairly, however they eventually decide to do it. Yeah. One thing that I'm kind of thinking about is um, a lot of people say to eliminate stage racing for road courses. Now I'm, I, you know, I'm skeptical about that because I think it should be at, from a consistency standpoint, I feel like, you know, we shouldn't pick and choose which races have stages. You know, we either have them or we don't. And, you know, that could be something that we do take away stages from road courses. But I think from a consistency standpoint, I would like to see just we do or we don't. Now, the yellow thing is a different thing um, because we're heading to Circuit of the Americas, which is a massive track, and we can throw local yellows there, and we can at Bristol. Um, But I think the stages, if we do local yellows for a road course, the stages kind of, I guess, give you a balance, you know, because you know you're going to have restarts, but we may not have a green-white checkered if someone just spins with three to go, you know? And I know there are some cautions where someone is on, like if someone's on fire, stopped in the track like Tyler Reddick was at Daytona, you know, okay, it's probably a caution. To whereas if someone spins in the grass and they throw the yellow right away, you know, let's give them some time to get out of the grass, you know, which some some people. But that's the question, right? So like, what's the time? Let's say somebody is stuck in the grass. Is it okay to bring, you know, some equipment on track and pull them out? Are you guys, are we still cool staying green everywhere else on the track, but we're going to throw this local yellow? Like, what's the speed that I'm allowed to go through here? Is there some form of like a, uh, you know, a, a, a delta that I have to keep with the car in front of me? <laughs> How do we do that? Because, you know, as soon as they throw a caution, the guys are going to be like, oh, well, I can't pass in there, but I'm still going to try to gain ground. But NASCAR is not going to love that. They are hardcore about giving safety workers and people room. So like what would be the deceleration line? Like that's it. It's just, you're you're right. That is the great compromise, right? That's fun. I like it. I love the idea of local yellows. There's just going to be more involved with it than, Oh, just throw a local yellow. All right. Well, you know what, man, there's a lot going on there. Let's say somebody is hurt or broke or there was oil or whatever. And it's offline. Well, are you cleaning that up or is that a full course? Because in like an endurance race, everything's a local yellow. No matter how bad it is, everything's local yellow. So, you know, that's interesting. 
depending on how we look at it and how they could kind of break this down. Yeah. So um, I, I did want to note on just real quick, you noted on your 24th place finishes the weekend. Now we talk about consistency. That is, that's, that's two straight 24th place finishes, isn't it? Yeah, at, at the same track. At Daytona. So we're, we're, we're very consistent. Obviously, we're a little bit disappointed with both of those finishes. Um, the first week at Daytona, we're running inside the top 10 when we get uh, we get spun there at the end of the race. And, and this past week, we had a broken left for a shock early in the race. Um, that's tough on a road course with three shocks, uh, with, with the back of the car bouncing around a lot. Uh, it made for a, a not a great ride in, in some of those bumpy braking zones. Uh, we had wheel hop like crazy. So it was a tough, tough race for us. And, and we didn't have the pace after that. And we really struggled. And we were in the low 30s. Uh, we talk about there's no gimmies anymore in the Xfinity series. Nobody's parking. Nobody's pulling off. Everybody is going for it. it. You are racing 40 cars every single week. And we were about 31st there. Uh, and we got lucky that a caution came out. We put on tires. We actually got as high as inside the top 20. But Again, wrong lane on a restart with two to go, and you wind up having to stop your car to get around a wreck, and you're going to get shuffled back. And so we wind up finishing 24th. So I'm disappointed yeah. that we finished 24th, but I also know that I would have been more disappointed if we finished 31st, which is where we were going to finish if the thing just stayed green to the end. So we caught a little bit of a lucky break there. You know what? You got a broken left for a shock, and you finished 24th in a race. It's hard to hard to say that was a bad day for you. And it's probably about the best you could probably hope for. Yeah. And, and now we head to Homestead. And one interesting thing that I've kind of been watching is we know that there are teams and cars that are being excluded uh, from the Xfinity series because of owner points, unfortunately, um, especially because of what we saw at Daytona qualifying being rained out. Very unfortunate for the teams. One thing I've been watching is that our Motorsports 03 car, right? They didn't get to compete at Daytona with Tyler Reddick. So last week, um, Andy Lally gets to the 99 BJ for BJ McLeod Motorsports, but you know, our motor, yeah, <laughs> for our uh, little, little we're doing we're doing air quotes right now, everybody listening, yeah, yeah, yeah little, it was little it was a real BJ McLeod Motorsports car, I can tell you that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little quotes around that, but Andy Lally gets in there right for basically what is our motorsports. So now this week, you look on the entry list, you have to search around, you see Tyler Reddick in the 23 for RSS and Rio Bros Racing, which will our motorsports car. So they're working their way around this thing. They, this is was supposed to be their second full-time car, that number 03 car. And now they're, I guess they're kind of going around and, and finding ways to get in these races. And they're the only team that I've so far seen kind of do this on a multiple week basis. We'll see how long it lasts, how much they do it. Um, because we know the 23 car does have um, a schedule of drivers that are supposed to be in the car. Um, all I really know is Natalie Decker, I know is supposed to have races, uh, only four more, I believe on the season. Um, the 99 has uh, definitely a, a good crop of drivers set between Stefan Parsons and Ryan Ellis is supposed to run some races as well. So we'll see what they continue to do. Um, as far as, I mean, I know you can buy points, you know, and stuff like that. It's a crazy complicated situation, but um, that was just something interesting that I've been following is, is our motorsports kind of kind of weaseling their way uh, into these races. But you're going to have to deal with Tyler Reddick at Homestead, which is whew, Tyler Reddick. In yeah. an so, so this is my my two cents on this, obviously, is that this is kind of bogus. I mean, obviously, we all know it's bogus. <laughs> I've been a part of these type of deals and they were bogus and we knew they were bogus going into it. 
And NASCAR really cracked down on this and said they're not going to allow this anymore. And now they're allowing it. And I get why they're allowing it because this is kind of weird circumstances. And you have somebody that's saying, look, man, you're locking me out from being in the race. We've made all these commitments and these deals and these engine leases and we bought all this equipment and we've signed drivers and we've got all this stuff and, and now you're not even letting me race. So I get that NASCAR's probably being a little bit like, you know, okay, you know, we're going to try to work with you here. But really, to Rayoon Brothers Racing, who just finished dead last and fell in the standings to right in front of my team, they're 25th in the standings, two points ahead of me. And the points reset after this next week, after the third race of the year. And they're sitting here going, well, we didn't have a deal lined up. And now we get the best driver in the sport at Homestead, or at least one of the best. You could probably say one of the top three. And we get them in a good RCR prepared car. You know, that's going to get me a lot of points. And that could potentially like set me up to where I can kind of, you know, basically have some bad runs and get away with that uh, with a points cushion. Now, to me, as another competitor here, I'm looking at that going, well, that's kind of bogus. <laughs> like, that's a little bit bogus because that's not who I'm really racing. You know, like y'all didn't make it. And at the same time, as somebody that runs a race team, I understand why that's not completely fair to them either. But you're basically, you're benefiting a car that like, you know, otherwise I would probably be beating. So you're, you're basically propping up a car that I would probably be beating with a car that shouldn't be in the grid. And, and I'm like, okay, well, neither one of these really sound that fair to me, <laughs> but, but I like everybody involved and I'm not like trying to wish ill on the deal. I just want to point out that it is a little bit weird. It is a little weird yeah. and it's not, it's all bogus. Like it's all, like, we all know it's phony. And so it's just strange that we're sitting here talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like you said, when the driver that they tapped on this weekend is one of the top uh, three uh, best probably at Homestead and is going to race both races this weekend. So that will be interesting. And we talk about Homestead. This is really, um, I guess, I mean, for some teams, are, are, are they picturing that? this as okay we really need to test ourselves here mile and a half uh we need to have the speed uh someone like kyle larson coming back you know didn't get to race this race last year now here he is everyone's looking at him as the guy because in the past when we'd go to homestead he would have an amazing run but he wasn't in the championship four he would always you know they'd back off they'd let the final four guys race but kyle bush i mean uh kyle larson was amazing at homestead so now everyone looks to this as his opportunity to do something you got tyler reddick in the field you know christopher bell is um pretty solid at homestead as well and obviously you have your crop of drivers like denny hamlin kevin harvick kyle bush um and then on the xfinity series size i think it on um, i think it's just Anything goes. I mean, last year we saw two races for the Xfinity Series at Homestead, which I both thought were pretty good. Um, I believe Austin Sindrick won one, and then Harrison Burton won one. Correct? If I'm great tracks, put on great races. Yep. Homestead is a great track. It's a great track. It's going to put on a great race, and, and we all know that going down there. It's hard to compare it to other mile and a half stars because it's so unique and so different. You know, yeah, you're evaluating your mile and a half program, but we all know that that's just a little bit of a different animal. 
Uh, tire wear is going to be huge. Running up by the wall going to be huge. Is that your driver's skill set or not? Okay, how are we setting the car up? So it's it's kind of a unique thing. And so that's, that's why it's kind of a little bit of a tough comparison one to the other. Uh, but yeah, we're going to start to see some of those contenders emerge here over the next four weeks, right? We understand what the first two races were, a little bit of wild card races. All right, now we're going to Homestead. We're going to Las Vegas. We're, you know, we're going to Atlanta. We know what we're going into here in that strip Phoenix. It's, yes, it's a one mile track, but, but really mile and a half speed does equate there at Phoenix. We've seen that over time. Uh, okay. We're going to kind of get the picture of what this is over this next stretch of races. Yeah, we will definitely see. And then I know a lot of the cup, uh, the point situations in both series. I mean, we know how wild card these first two weeks are. Usually after the second or third week, you kind of um, get back into normal. But it's really awesome to see. I mean, you look at the Xfinity Series playoffs um, and just out of where everyone's been finishing, you got Brandon Brown in the top four <laughs> in, the, in the playoff standings. You got, uh, you know, Jeremy Clemens has worked his way up there, but we know he's a, he's a very solid road racer. Um, and then Joe Graff Jr., Kyle Weatherman, and Jesse Little are the final playoff spots. And you got guys like Justin Allgaier way back there because he's had a bad uh, few races. In the Cup Series, you got Matt Benedetto sitting 37th in the Cup Series point standings right now behind Scott Heckert and Quinn Hauf and Kaz Grella, um, all behind them in the Cup Series points standing. He has a total of five points. He has had a very bad two weeks. So someone like them for sure is looking to look at this mile and a half and like, okay, we need to do very good. And Tyler Reddick, he's sitting 33rd in points with 11 total points. Homestead is definitely probably circled on his calendar as a place where he could go win. I mean, he did amazing there last year. So it's definitely you know crazy to look at all these point situations. Uh, Michael McDowell followed his Daytona 500 win with another great run at the Daytona Road Course. Um, well, it'll be really interesting to see how he does this season. But man, those those point situations, it's crazy. But I I, I can't wait for these next. Uh, like you said, the next three four weeks, we'll really see um, where these contenders are at and who really uh, is in trouble. I guess for the season. Yeah, the, the contenders and pretenders type thing is going to get sorted out very quickly here. And and the diversity in the schedule, great. Love the schedule. We, we talked about that ad nauseum, how different the schedule is this year than it has been. And the shakeups in it, love it. Love it. And, and, it's, and it's making you test a lot of different things early on in the year. You're testing your road course program. You're testing your speedway program. You're testing your mile and a half program at a at a couple of worn out mile and a halfs. You're testing your mile and a half program at a high grip mile and a half. You you know you're testing your short track package. You're testing your kind of in between package over at Phoenix. Okay, all of this is happening over the course of the first six, seven, eight weeks of the year, and I think this is good for the fans too because you're seeing a different type of race each and every week, and for the drivers. It's a different challenge each and every week, and I think it's great. I, I really enjoy this opening stretch here, and uh, we look forward to it in our series, and, and you're going to see those standings. <laughs> we talk about Benedetto. I got a feeling he's not going to stay down there in 37 for, for very long. I got a feeling that's going to change pretty quick. Yeah, and hopefully we see some cleaner races too the next three, four weeks. We hate we hate seeing cars get torn up. So we're, we're going to tracks <laughs> where we normally don't see gigantic uh, wrecks and restarts. You never know. 
anything can happen, but uh, we're looking forward to it. The next three, four weeks, hopefully uh, great for Martins Motorsports, great for everybody um, as we approach uh, these kind of these crop a mile and a half tracks. And then right after this, we'll head to Bristol Dirt, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. That will be nuts. <laughs> um, so Awesome having Chris Myers on for for the podcast today. I uh, love hearing those uh, the broadcasting insights as well. Um, I know the viewers have, have loved those types when we've had Bestwick and Jamie Little on. So awesome have Chris Myers on uh, this week. Uh, we'll see what goes on next week. But two weeks down, the Daytona tour is done, but the Florida tour um, is almost complete. As we head to Homestead this week, I'll be in Homestead this week, which will be awesome. Get to see both races, so we'll get to see the uh, the forty four rip around in person and uh, in the Cup race on Sunday. So that'll be awesome. So good stuff. Homestead this week should be a fun time, and that's been another episode of the Drivers Meeting Podcast. If you made it this far, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Drivers Meeting Podcast today, wherever you may be, and hope you stay tuned for upcoming episodes on Apple Podcasting, Spotify, the Believe Podcasting Network, and much more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.